Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so by giving online and helping us bring messages just like this one to each and every week. Today's message is from our series called We Be Crazy, in which we're learning that the teachings of Jesus, although controversial and sometimes ludicrous, do come with a promise of unparalleled and heart-stirring life. Join us as we wrestle with the reality of being called crazy in order to live the life God calls us to live. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Good morning, everyone. Listen, this is the 11 o'clock service. You had an extra hour of sleep, and the Buckeyes had a blowout win, so you even got to go to bed early, okay? So you need to be awake this morning, all right? You have no excuse today. Anyone who comes in late to the 11 today, we can all give them a hard time. Uh, they, just, they just need help, right? They need help. But we're glad that you're here. We are in the middle of a series right now called We Be Crazy. And we're talking about the crazy culture in which we live in when it comes to our finances and our resources, and then the crazy culture that God calls us to live in. And this entire month, we're talking about generosity and missions and what that means to us as believers, and then as a church, what we do in missions. And so this whole month, you're going to be hearing about opportunities, how you can get involved and how you can serve and give of your time and your resources, but also you're going to hear about what we're doing all over the world, how God is using our church and you to really make an impact all over the world to help those who, who need help. So last week we talked about the, the, the crazy American way of thinking and how we view our finances and how God's called us to kind of reprioritize our lives around generosity. We said that we don't serve money, we serve God. And we, money serves us as we serve God. That's what our resources are for. And then when we learn to be generous, we will give more, save more, and consume less. And that's something that we should all aspire to be able to do, to give more, to save more, and consume less. And Jesus says in his kingdom, it's a different kind of crazy, that the more generous you are, the happier you will be. He said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And you've heard that before, and we hear that all the time. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you, that wasn't just a moment in time. He was saying, when you live a life around giving instead of receiving, he goes, that's the key to happiness. That's the key to fulfillment. But in order to do that, we have to learn how to be generous because our culture has taught us the exact opposite. And when I think about money, probably the word associated most with money is worry, right? When we think about it, what, you know, we're really kind of bear it down, it's, it's worry. We, we worry about money. We worry if we're going to have enough. We worry about the future, whether we're going to be able to put our kids in college, if we're going to have retirement, you know, if the government's going to spend all of our social security before we can use it, right? You know, th- those types of things, we worry about money. And there's a slide that I want to show us about this morning that hopefully will help us kind of understand in a little bit, if you're a visual learner like me, the crazy cycle that our culture is in when it comes to money. And so one of the things, again, most associate money is worry, but because of our crazy culture, we talked about it last week, that most Americans spend more money than they make. And so because of that, they have this thing called debt, and debt is a burden. Debt stresses us. It makes us worry even more. And when we have debt, we have no margin, and so when we have no margin, we worry even more, right? That's the cycle. So we worry about future consumption, if we're going to have enough money 
but we live in a culture where we consume more than we afford, which we get more consumer debt, which we have no margin for future consumption, which is what drives us to worry, and we worry even more. So the cycle continues over and over again. But spending more than we make is a, is, a, is a self-control problem. It's not a culture problem. It's a you problem. It's a me problem where we need to learn how to control what we have. And the reason we do that is, is this word called contentment. We're not content with what we have, right? You, you've heard this before. I think Dave Ramsey says it. He says, we spend money we don't have to impress people we don't even like, Right? And that's the culture we live in. So then that, that, that contentment issue, and then the reason we have no margin is a discipline issue that we haven't really, it's not because we don't have enough money, it's because we're not managing it the right way. And the worry issue always comes down to being spiritual. It's a spiritual issue. And we talked about this last week. The problem is we worry about money because our hope has migrated from God to our stuff. And so our hope is in our money. Our hope is in how much we have saved and how much we, you know, and so we, we worry about it. And if God says, if you would just trust me and, and, and allow me to rule in every area of your life, he says he promises he will take care of us. And so it's crazy, this cycle. But our culture has accepted this as normal. This is normal. But if you were an outsider and you weren't caught in this cycle, if you were to look from the outside, you would go, that's crazy. You mean you spend more money than you make? Who can do that besides our government, right? Who can do that and continue to live, right? But in our culture, they do that. They give you things called credit cards. And why does a credit card company give you credit? Because they charge you 18% interest and they make money off of you. So they give you more credit. And the more debt you get, the more credit they give you as long as you keep making that minimum payment, right? That's the crazy cost. So when we look from the outside, we go, that's crazy. Who would live in that kind of cycle? It reminds me when I was little, there was a park in our neighborhood, and we had one of those old school merry-go-rounds. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? Where like a kid would get on, hold one of the bars, and they would run in a circle as fast as they can, and you would stand in the middle and try to keep your balance, or you would just hold on for dear life, right? And, and so we would go, and you know, it would always be my turn to get on the merry-go-round, and it would be the biggest, strongest kid that was spinning it. Right? I don't know why they call them merry-go-rounds. I think they should be called puke-go-rounds or like, you know, get injured-go-round, whatever it may be. But the reality is, is once it starts getting really fast, you're holding on for dear life, right? You cannot get off on your own unless you just ride it out till it slows down. But if someone keeps spinning it and they keep it going, you can't get off until they decide to stop it. And so today, my hope is this, is that this crazy cycle that we're in, this merry-go-round of financial debt and consumerism and all this stuff, God is wanting to hit the stop button. He wants you to be able to get off, to get out of this cycle so that one, you will be blessed, that you will be free of your, of, of your debt, that you will have the ability to be the people he's called us to be, to be the generous people he wants us to be. But when we think about this crazy cycle... And how we can get off. Like, what would the emergency stop button be? How would you get off of this cycle if you're caught in it? The answer that most of us would come up with is more money. If I had more money, I would be able to get out of debt. I would have more margin. I would have that. And it's kind of, in our culture, that's the way to think. But ask yourself some of these questions. How much more money would you need to stop spending more than you make? Does it change? Does more money change your spending habits? How much more money would you need to stop spending more than you make? How much more money would you need to make to get completely out of debt? 
way more than you're ever going to get at one time, right? So there's, there's, there's constant issues with this cycle. So we think more money is the issue, but that's not the issue. It's contentment issues. It's self-control issues. It's discipline issues is what's going to get us out. How much more money would you need to create some margin in your life, to have some financial margin? How much would you need? Because here's the reality. I want you to think back a little bit. There was a time in your life that you said, if I could just make blank, you fill in the amount, if I could just make this amount of money, I wouldn't have to worry about money anymore, right? There was a time in your life that you thought that, and now you make that much money. The money, the amount that you thought you would need, then you go, I make that now, and I still worry about money because it's not a money issue. It's a way of living issue. And unless you've been taught a new way of thinking about your resources, unless you've been taught a new way to live when it comes to your money, you're going to continue to do what you've always done. Because more money does not generate more self-control. More money does not generate more discipline. More money does not make you more content. More money just makes you more of what you already are. And I know that's encouraging, isn't it? Don't you feel so uplifted? Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Right? More money just makes you more what you are. The prime example of that is people who win the lottery. The majority of people who win the lottery end up bankrupt. And they, make, they get a ton of money to erase all of their debt, to be set for the rest of their life. And I didn't bring those statistics with me this morning, but just go look them up. The average person who wins the lottery ends up bankrupt with debt, because more money doesn't make you change these things. It just makes you more of what you already are. You see, uh, Paul gives Timothy, his protege, he's handing the torch to him. The apostle Paul planted all these churches. He's handing the torch to, to the next generation, and Timothy was his protege. And he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 18, he commands him to go tell the rich people something. And here at Adventure Church, we've talked about this before, but we, we're all under the understanding that we are rich, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, you're rich, right? We don't feel rich because we live in this cycle. We don't feel rich because we have no margin. But there's a difference between feeling rich and being rich. If you make $48,000 a year as a family, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, you are rich even though you don't feel it. So he says to us, because we're rich, we've all accepted that. We are rich people. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. So he says, here's the deal. Those rich people are always going to be tempted to put their hope in their stuff, to put their hope in their bank account, to put their hope in their retirement fund. That's what we're all tempted to do. Our hope migrates to our stuff because of the culture we're in. He says, so we got to reverse the culture. We have to put our hope in God. Migrate back to God, putting our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So he says, don't put your hope in riches. You have the opportunity as God's people to put your hope in the one who richly provides. Now he tells us how, how to make sure our hope doesn't migrate. And if it has, how do we get our hope back to God? He says, command them to do good. Not be good. We all think of that. We all think God just wants us to be good in a moral sense, honest, fair, integrity, and we need to be those things. But he says, tell them to be good, to do good, 
And that's because being good is nothing unique to rich people. And we're rich people. So he says the rich people need to figure out how to do good as only a rich person could do. And he says, and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. He says, be rich in good deeds, not average. Be rich. You have an opportunity because we are rich to be better than average, that we can do more than the average person. Because as your wealth increases throughout your life, your opportunities will increase as well. And as your opportunities increase, you will have more discretionary time. And our tendency is, is to use that time on us, on ourselves. And you go, well, listen there, preacher. I don't have discretionary time. I have children. I have a job. I have a lot of things that I'm doing. And I would say, you do have discretionary time. Here's why. How many of you have two days off a week? That's our culture. You work five days, you get two days off. Now, some of you work more than that. You work six days. Sometimes you have to work seven. But in our culture, the average person has two days off a week. That's incredible. You only have to work five days a week to have seven days worth of food. That is not normal. That doesn't happen in other parts of the world. If you don't work, you don't eat. And that, that is the reality. So if you work, and here's the thing, I'm giving you guys some credit this morning. I'm, I'm giving you credit to say you work 60 hours a week on average. If you work 60 hours a week on average and get eight hours of sleep a night, some of you get less, that still leaves you with 52 hours a week of free time. You work 60, you sleep eight a night, you still have 52 hours of discretionary time a week. But the problem is in our culture and what we've come into is that typically rich people have a hard time doing good on a regular basis because of our rich schedules. Because we have the ability to do that. I was listening to a podcast this week where, where I was talking about this concept where our extra time gets consumed on us. And in more affluent areas like this, Lewis Center, Powell, Westerville, North Columbus, in affluent areas, people are super busy. And so they were talking about, as, as church attendance goes, the reason why churches in most affluent areas have swings of attendance, and here at Adventure Church, I'll just tell you, we can go anywhere from 350 people on a low Sunday to 550 people on a Sunday. Why is that? Baseball, lake house, right? All the extra soccer your kids play in, the freedom you have to go visit family somewhere else. And they're all valid things, but in, 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 in poorer areas, they don't have the, the luxury of discretionary time and the vacation and the extra money to go and do these extra things. And so we're tempted to spend all of our free time on us. And Paul says, you can't do that. Timothy, tell those rich people that they need to do good, not just be good, but to do good, not just with their resources, but with their time. So here at Adventure Church, we don't want to just tell you you need to do good. We want to provide opportunities for you to do good with your time. And I love that about Adventure Church. As we have these opportunities to go and serve at some of these organizations, we can only take like 12 to 15 people with us, and we'll fill up before we're out. And people are like, hey, I wanted to go, and it's full. When are we going again? When am I going to have an opportunity to go and serve and be a part of these things? And so we're going to be stepping it up big time next year. We're going to have 15 plus 
opportunities for you to get out, okay? To get out of your normal routine, to go and be the church, to go and do what God has commanded you to do, to serve and to give of your time to some awesome organizations that we're partnering with in our community. And you'll see those names up on the screen. And if you have an organization that that the name's not up here, that you go, I already volunteer here, I give my time here, and I would love for Adventure Church to somehow partner with us and, and to see if we can join forces to do that, we would love to hear about what you're doing. We have no idea maybe what some of you are involved with, and if there's a way that we can resource and get behind you, I don't know for sure that we can, but I would love to hear about it. So send that info to us. You can send an email to info at adventurechurch.tv and say, hey, this is an awesome organization. I serve here. I give money here. You guys should give in part of it. Let's, let's talk about that. Do that. But in December alone, you're going to have an opportunity on December 10th to go to People in Need. There's a, a place in Delaware County up here in the city of Delaware that provides assistance for people in need from various things to housing, paying utility bills, food, clothing, place to stay, whatever it may be. We support them financially. And in their holiday clearinghouse event, they're going to be putting bags of food, groceries together for families that don't have the ability to buy food on their own. And so we go there, we pay money and help buy it, and then we pack it all together. So on December 10th, you can do that. In the month of December as well, we're going to have an angel tree out in the lobby. And so we're going to be partnering with some organizations that want to provide gifts for kids at Christmas who otherwise would not have those things and get the things that they need. So make sure that you grab one of those as those opportunities present themselves. But mark your calendar for these things and then pay attention. In 2017, you are going to have plenty of opportunities to go and give of not just your resources, but of your time into these organizations. And as Jesus said, as you do that, As you give of yourself, man, you're going to find what it truly means to live the blessed life, to be happy, to be fulfilled, because it's truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. So Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians as he's writing these different churches that he planted. And this week, I changed my message up with this passage here in my personal Bible reading time. I was on 2 Corinthians this week, and I got to chapter 9, and I was reading it, and I go, oh my goodness, this is exactly what we're talking about. And Paul gives us this, these simple yet really profound instructions on how we can break the cycle by changing the way we view our resources and understanding what we can do to make a difference in his kingdom. He says, these these people can get out of the cycle. And this is what he says in chapter nine, verses six through 12. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. He says we should be people, as God's people, we should be people who invest and plant not sparingly, not leftovers into what God is doing, but generously into what God is doing in the world. That's what we are to do. That's what we're called to do as God's people. Then he says this, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And we go, oh, thank you, Paul. It's so nice of you. You gave me an out. It's totally up to me on how much I want to give. And for a large portion of my life, that's what I thought when it came to that scripture. But even this week, my, the, my attitude and, and my perspective of this scripture has shifted. Because if you read that scripture in the context of the rest of the scripture, Paul is talking about how to live a generous life, not a sparing life, not a restricted or a stingy life. He's saying you need to be generous. And he's saying you only know, only in your heart do you know if you're being generous or not. 
That's it. He's saying you got to decide in your own heart what generosity is. And only you know at the end of the day. You can write a check. You can fool people. You can put a lot of zeros on it. But only you really know if that's generosity. Only you know if that's sparing to you or if it's generous to you. Then he goes on. He says, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. What he's saying is he goes, there's people like me who can talk really good and put messages together and are pretty persuasive that if I showed you the right video and shared some good statistics with you, you would all give. You would say, oh my gosh, I'm giving to that. I'm, I'm compelled to give. And there's times where that happens, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but Paul is saying don't be the type of person who just gives when you're pressured to give. We're called to be generous people, and God loves a person who gives, who orders their life around generosity who's generous with the way that they live, not just in a moment in time, but their entire life. He says, order your life around that way. But the problem is, is because of the crazy cycle that we're in, that we get sucked into, we don't have the opportunity to be generous because we're living in this way. And many of you, you you want to be generous, and you're not generous because you're stingy. It's because you're strapped, because you're stuck. He's saying, so how do I get out of that? But we can't order our lives around generosity if we don't embrace the biblical values of self-control and sacrifice and discipline. Maddox got a a fireman suit for uh, trick-or-treat, and he was a little fireman, right? And so he gets this this suit, and he got it a couple weeks before, so he was wearing it around the house well before trick-or-treat time came. And he has a little fire truck, and so he has his fire you know, suit on, and he has his little fire truck. And those of you who don't know Maddox, he's my four-year-old son. He's pushing it around the house, and he's putting out fires everywhere, and, you know, he's having a good old time. Then he comes up to me and says, hey, Dad, here's the thing. Uh, you, you know the Hummer that's in the garage? We have one of those Hummer power wheels. And listen, I didn't buy it. That was a grandma and grandpa gift, okay? I would not buy my kid that gift. I promise you that. But uh, we didn't know how to, to charge the battery right. If, if you ever get those things, it's like a set cycle in time. And the battery doesn't work anymore. And the battery is like three thirds, you know, three quarters of the cost of the thing. It's like 80 bucks to get a new battery for it. So it's just been, needless to say, it's been sitting in the garage. It's, it's not used. He goes, Dad, here's the thing. The Hummer's broke. Here's what, here's what I need for, for trick or treat. You need to get me a fireman power wheels, okay? And I need it to have sirens and lights and the whole deal. And then I'll take that trick or treat and I'll drive it up. I'll get out, get my candy, get back in my car. You know, that was his whole thing. And, and I said, well, buddy, uh, you know, one, I don't even know if that exists. So uh, I, I don't know if I can do it. He goes, sure, dad, you can do it. Just go buy it. Go buy it. And then he looked at me, he says, go buy it right now. Go right now and buy it. And I said, buddy, we, 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 we can't. I can't do that. I'm not buying that for you. And I was sitting there thinking this week, I was like, isn't that how... We are, right? Now, the price tags have gotten higher, right? But we want something, and it has the bells and whistles, and we go, I want that. And because of the, the culture we live in, we can go and do it, and we go and do it. Because we've never embraced this value of self-control and sacrifice. And just as I looked at Maddox and I said, buddy, no way. We have to start looking at ourselves, when it comes to those things in our life, and say, no, look in the mirror and go, no. And just because we can afford it, just because we can do it, doesn't mean we should. 
And it's not the way God wants us to live. He has something better for us. But unless we embrace these values and we get out of the cycle and get off the merry-go-round, we'll never be the type of people God wants us to be. And if we can't live that way, we're never going to be blessed. We're never going to be satisfied or happy. You see, most of the financial tension that we have is a result of wanting what we can't get, not needing what we don't have. That's the tension. It's, it's, it's wanting what we can't get, not needing what we don't have. We all have what we need. Paul goes on and he says this. Here's how you change it. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to reprioritize your life. In verse 8 he says, and God will generously provide all you need. But the key in this passage is, is to see God as your provider and not yourself. You go, I don't know about you, pastor. I mean, you just kind of pray all week and then preach on Sundays, right? You got a good gig, man. You know, I work hard for my money. I put in time for my money. That's not just God's money. I provided for that. I'm the provider for my house. I'm providing for my family, right? We have that personality. But listen, we, we can make it real simple this morning, right? Who gave you the health that you have so that you can work? Who put the breath in your lungs so that you have another day to go earn resources, right? It's all on how you view God. And you go, God, you are my provider. The Bible says every good gift comes from him. You have provided for me. You have given me health so I can work. You've blessed me with this job. I didn't have this job before. You granted me that promotion. God, you have blessed me. You are my provider. So he says, you have to see God as your provider, and he is the one who is generously providing all you need. So Paul defies our notion of ownership, that it's mine. It's the Maddox mentality. It's the, it is mine mentality. I deserve this. I earn this. This is all my stuff. You got to go, it's not mine. It's God's, and he has given it to me. And scripture tells us in Matthew 25, it's called the parable of the talents, where Jesus tells us, I don't have time this morning, go read Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, where where the the owner, the, the one in charge, God was giving resources to people to steward, and some of them squandered them and wasted them. And he said, you are evil in my sight because you did not use what I gave you to bring benefit to others. And what that parable is teaching us is that someday all of us are going to be held accountable by God and to God for how you managed and stewarded the resources he gave you, that he blessed you with. He's going to say, what did you do with those resources? That we have to stand accountable to you. And I don't know about you, that humbles me. But in order for us to do what God wants us to do, we got to break the cycle we got to reprioritize our living. we got to think like generous people. And generous people think like managers, not owners or consumers. They change the way they think. This isn't mine. This is God's. He's, he's given me a task, a responsibility to steward these in a way that I don't just spend it on me and consume, but that I do something good for him. Then Paul goes on, verse 8. He says, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to spend on yourself. Oh, my bad. That's what I wanted it to say. didn't say that. Then you will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely they, and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That is Psalm 112. But here's the thing. In our culture, our extra, we view it as mine. That's my extra. 
I earned that. That's my stuff. So we got to change the way we think. And we have to go our extra. My extra is not for my consumption. But part of the American way of crazy is the assumption consumption. And that is this, that everything that comes to me is for me. Everything that I get is for me. But in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the story of a rich farmer who had a lot of extra. And he saved it all for himself. He was already rich, Jesus said. And then he had an abundant harvest of crops. He says, well, what am I going to do with all my extra? And he said, I'm going to build more barns to store my stuff. I'm going to open more bank accounts. I'm going to store more of my stuff away. And Jesus called him a fool. One, because he said, this very night you're going to lose your life. He said, you assumed that you had more time to spend all the extra, but you don't. So now all the extra you had is a total loss. You don't get credit for what you leave behind. You only give credit, get credit for what you give away when we stand accountable to God. You want to know why? Because we all leave the same percentage when we die. All of it. <laughs> we leave all of it. So he says he was a fool. Why? Because he assumed that his extra was all consumable, disposable income. Just think about the words we use when it comes to our money. Some of you, maybe like me, have a line item in your budget that says disposable, blow money, right? It's not designated to a bill. I'm saving. I got my retirement. And then every month I got this little thing right here. I can just do whatever I want with it. I can blow it. Just think about the words we use when it comes to our money, disposable income. And Jesus says, if you're a Christian and you view your resources, if you accept the assumption consumption, if you assume that everything that comes to you is for you, for you to consume, Jesus says that is called greed, not generosity. And greed has nothing to do with an amount of money, but with the assumption that all of my money is all for me. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. But to move from greed to generosity, to break the cycle, we got to reprioritize our lives, not just our finances. The way we live, how we spend our time, what we spend our money on. And we have to rethink and prioritize our finances and our lives around generosity and not consumption. The crazy cycle says this. Consume what you want. Save a little. Give if you have anything left over. Consume, save, give. To break the cycle, you got to go in reverse. You got to swim upstream. Jesus says you got to flip it. You give first. It's off the top. I prioritize my life. This is the percentage I give it away first. And we're going to talk more in detail next week about how we can really practically prioritize our lives with some steps that will enable you to give freely and to do those things. So you give first, save second, consume last literally flips the whole thing. That's the, what we need to do. Listen, Paul's saying, if you have been blessed with more than you need, it's not for you. If you have been blessed with more than you need, it's so that you can share your abundance with those who are in need. Why? As the band's coming, we're closing out. I know some of you are like, I can't wait for this message to be over. Me too. It punched me in the gut this week. Don't believe me. He says, if you've been blessed with more than you need, it's so that you can share your abundance with those who are in need. Verse 10, he goes on. He says, for God 
is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. So again, he's bringing your attention back. You are not your provider. God is your provider. It's his. He's given it to you. So in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So God is our provider. And what Paul is saying is this, is if you can break the cycle, if you can get out of the cycle and you learn how to be generous, how to reprioritize your life, that the more God can get through you, the more he's going to get to you. That you can be a vessel that is a, a vessel of generosity for God's kingdom in the world. And if God can get it through you, where you release it and you free yourself from your money, you look at his gods, I'm a manager, not an owner. I steward this, I'm not a consumer. And if he can get it through you, he's gonna get more to you. Why? Because you're gonna be able to bless more people. And that's what living a life for Jesus is all about. Verse 11, he says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. I'm going to bless you with more than you need so that you can be generous and help those who are in need. And this is what he says. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, we will thank God. I was thinking about this week as we talk about this. You go, oh man, see this church. I, I always, you know, I'm always hesitant and always kind of skeptical about churches because, you know, I watch TV and they're all trying to get money, blah, blah. The reason we talk about generosity, one, is because Jesus talked about it a lot. Someone just after first service, they go, I really appreciate your boldness. And I said, it wasn't my boldness, it was Paul's. I mean, the dude was bold. He was right in the church. He said, the reason we always do it this month is because I never want you to think it's about me. It's about our church for this. We're taking an offering into the end of this month and it's all going to go out of here. We're not going to keep it. And this is why. This is what Paul did. He said, and when we take your gifts, your money, what you gave to those in need, they're going to thank God for you. He says, so two things are going to happen if you break the cycle, if you become a, a generous person. He says, two things are going to happen. The results from this ministry of giving, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. Those people who are in need, their needs are going to be met. He says, and the, the other thing, he goes, they're going to joyfully express their thanks to God. They're not going to thank Adventure Church because we're going as a representative of Jesus Christ. And they're going to go, you're crazy. What could you have done with that extra money? You could have gave your kids the Christmas of a lifetime. You could have spent all that on you. That was yours to decide what to do with. Those people are crazy. Why are those people at Adventure Church so generous? Because we are crazy. But we're crazy about Jesus and we're crazy about the hope that he offers people. And we're crazy about there's something unique about money. When we give of resources to other people with no strings attached and we go, we just want to say we believe in you and what you're doing in this community. We love you. Here's money. Well, do you want me to come to your church and do something? Or, no, nothing. It's just for you. We believe in you. There's something powerful in that. And Paul says, and what they're going to do is go, those people love Jesus. And they're going to give thanks to God for your generosity. Imagine what it would be like if we all did this, if we all reordered our lives around being generous with our time and our money. Think about the difference we could make in this world. Think about the opportunities we would have to show people who Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but man, that's what I want my life to mean. 
When I stand before God, I don't care. Yeah, you pastor the church, blah, blah. I don't want to say, Kyle, you were generous with your time. You were generous with your resources. And because of your generosity, many people came to know who I am. And many people are in heaven and their lives were changed because you broke the cycle. You got off the crazy merry-go-round that our culture promoted and you embraced the new kind of crazy of being generous. And I know that if I do that here and now, I'll be blessed. And I know that when I stand account before God for how, not just how I live my life, but how I manage my money, he'll say, well done, well done. You figured it out. And it's the path to blessing. It's the path to happiness. It's better to give than it is to receive. But you can't live that way if you view your stuff as your own. If you view it as mine, it's the mine mentality. You gotta view God as your source. He is the provider. You gotta be more than a consumer. You gotta break the crazy cycle and embrace some self-discipline and some control. You gotta learn to look in the mirror and say no, no, so that you can say yes to something even greater. No to yourself so you can say yes to something bigger than you. And if we do that, we will be worry-free from our finances because God says when you reprioritize your life around generosity, around my way of living, my kind of crazy, he goes, I got you. I got you. You ain't got to worry about your future. I got your future. You don't have to worry about this. Now we still have good habits spending. We'll talk about that next week. You got to have those things. But he says, I got it. You don't have to worry about the stock market. That's, that's me. That's on me. Remember, if you seek me first, you give unto my kingdom, I'll take care of everything else. That's all on me. We can live worry-free. God, it's in your hands. It's not in mine. My hope is in you, not in my stuff. I trust you. I live for you. Imagine if we did that, how it would change us, how it would change others, that people would look at at Adventure Church and go, that church is crazy. And we would go, yeah, we are. It's pretty awesome that we live a different kind of crazy than this world. And because of that, we've been able to be a blessing to people all around the world. But you got to choose your crazy. What are you going to choose? You going to stay like this? It's crazy. This is crazy. Embrace a new kind of crazy. Allow God to use you to make a difference in the world. I promise you, you never regret money you spend giving away. Never. You'll never look back and go, I wish I would have kept that for me. I wish I wouldn't have done something good with that. You'll never regret it. God, we love you. We thank you for your generosity towards us that you love a cheerful giver. You love someone who sees their resources not as, a, as an owner, but as a manager. Not as a consumer, but a contributor. God, that we get to give to you. And we could never outgive you because you gave your one and only son. You've given us the gift of eternity, of salvation, of freedom. God, we could never outgive what you did for us. And God, you've given us the awesome not responsibility, but opportunity, God, to invest back into your kingdom, to change lives, to represent you with no strings attached, generosity, making a difference in this world, not bringing glory or fame to ourselves, but only to you, that people would recognize your love and your hope and your mercy and your grace that you offer. And God, because of our generosity as a church, that many people would come to faith in you. So God, help us to embrace these values. Help us to 
break this cycle, to hit the emergency stop button this morning and to begin to make choices of self-control and discipline, learning to say no so we can say yes to something even greater. God, help us to do that. We need your help. It's not natural to us. So Lord, we need your Holy Spirit working in and through us to be able to do that. So we invite you to come in these moments as we continue to worship you. We invite you to come and to do the work in our hearts and our minds that only you can do. God, change us. Help us. Lord, we need your help today. In Jesus' name.